gospel lesson from today comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37. You can follow in your bulletin. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbors as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down, the road, down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Hear what the Spirit is saying to her church. Thanks be to God. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, when we go to seminary, they don't make us memorize the entire Bible. Did you know that? So every once in a while, I come across a passage that strikes me as if I've never heard it before and or potentially I have never read that passage before. And that happened to me when I was preparing for this sermon. And thus is the title of my sermon, which is not just snarky Kate um, asking questions, but actually it says that in the Bible, surely this isn't too hard for you. Have you ever seen that gif on the internet of that man who goes, wow, that's exactly how I felt and what I looked like when I read this in the text. That text is from Deuteronomy, and it's from Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, 11 to 14, and David so masterfully wove that into our call to worship here. But it actually says in the text for today, surely this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you and is not too far away. So at this point in time in Deuteronomy, which is the part of the Pentateuch, which explicitly and repeatedly refers to itself as uh, Mosaic law, um, this is the part, uh, Devarim, 
which means words in Deuteronomy, is um, Moses is going to transfer his mantle onto Joshua because he is not going to be able to cross the Jordan with the Israelites. So he has gathered them all together and he is giving them the law for the last time. And right after this, he goes on to say, oh yeah, I'm 120, I can't go there with you. So here is the law before they pass over the river Jordan. And if you remember the Shema, which is the most important law in the Torah um, is you will love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. And to this, he says, surely this commandment isn't too hard for you. Surely this isn't too hard for you. For what we know is that human compassion, compassion for the other, compassion for one's neighbor, is really to imitate God's mercy. To imitate God's mercy, and it's who we are called to be. And then in the text from Luke, we're kind of moving on from when Glenn uh, preached last week. He said we sent out, uh, we, like I sent out the 70. Jesus sent out the 70, two by two, right? And they have come back and they're talking to Jesus and they're excited about what had happened. And then someone tries to test Jesus with this same account, which is, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? You need to be kind to your neighbor. And who is that? Who is my neighbor? And then we get the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? We get the parable of uh, three people that find someone that is bleeding in the ditch. Two pass by, and one jumps in uh, to help that person. The word that is used in the text in the New Testament is elios, a form more common in Hellenistic Greek, and it means mercy kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted, joined with a desire to relieve them. I want to read that one more time. So the word that is used here for mercy shows mercy to them. It is kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted, joined with a desire to relieve them joined with a desire to relieve them. When I was in seminary, I had the good fortune to study with uh, a liberation theologian, actually the father of liberation theology, and his name was Gustavo Gutierrez. And he has a very different take on the the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we talked about this when we were in Back Bay. We talked about this mercy um, and this compassion being um, kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and join with a desire to relieve them. And Gustavo Gutierrez says that we shouldn't wait for the man in the ditch to flag us down so that he notice, he or she notices us. It's our responsibility to get into the ditch with that person. We should never be asking those who are miserable or afflicted or harmed to beg us to help them. It is our responsibility as Christian people to get into the ditch 
and make it our business as Christians, as called to be merciful and compassionate, make it our business to relieve that affliction. One of the jobs that we had when we were in Back Bay was working at the Micah Day Center. And the Micah Day Center is something, um, we don't have a system quite like it that I know of here in Columbus, um, but it is a drop-in center, and it's a drop-in center for homeless folks in the um, Biloxi area. And folks walk many, many miles to get there back and forth. And let me tell you, we were there last month, and it felt like it was 900 degrees there. I haven't been that hot since uh, being in the Caribbean countries in the summertime. And so the thought of being homeless, having to find somewhere cool to be, and walking back and forth to that Micah Center was almost unbearable. Just thinking about walking back and forth, let alone living in that space. When you come to the Micah Day Center, you can, um, you can use that center as your address. You can use that so that if you, are, uh, you need mail or you have to fill in any sort of forms, that you can mail that to the day center so that you can come and get your mail there. You can use the day center phone number as your phone so that if you are applying for a job, you can actually put that phone number down and when they call, when an employer would call and check for records or check for your reference, they don't answer hello Back Bay Mission, they just answer hello so that you can be the same as anyone else. You can have your clothing washed there for you. It's very difficult to find any sort of employment and or just feel basically human when you can't wash your clothes and you, you don't smell very good. There's a clothes closet there, which I thought um, was interesting that the lady in there uh, said, let me go see if I have some warm socks to give someone. And I thought, warm socks, my God, they just, it's so warm here, I feel like I'm on the sun. Um, but you can get fresh socks, you can get fresh underwear, you can get fresh things that make you feel like you are an actual human being. And when you walk in, everybody calls you by name. Everybody calls you by name. The other thing that you can do at the Micah Center is you can take a shower. I'm not too sure if, if you haven't gone without bathing for a long time, or you have not had water in your home, or you have not had access to helping yourself just be clean. If I can adequately describe how important taking a shower is. Taking a shower not only to your own self, but your mental health. And one of the jobs that the volunteers are given is cleaning the shower after everybody showers. You are, giving, you are given five minutes in the shower. Can you imagine? Five minutes. And that's because so many people come that they have to allot time so that everybody gets a shower. You get a clean towel, you get a clean washcloth, you get a clean shower stall that someone has wiped off and cleaned just for you, you get a clean bath mat, and you get clean clothes. Many folks think, I think, 
that you have to do something big and expansive and fancy in order to do mission or in order to show the love of God or the love of neighbor to another person. And I will tell you that for my own self, I have never felt that this parable right here more than when I had a pair of gloves on and was just cleaning the shower after someone else. My job at that point in time was to get in the ditch and was to clean the dirt and was to clean some of the sad maybe and to call someone by name and make it my business to be in that suffering too. I do a lot of mission work, that's my whole job. And I'll say to you that that experience was more profound than many that I have ever had. And I think it was that experience that was the most profound for the other folks that came with us to Back Bay. Getting in the ditch and just cleaning the shower. I'll also say to you that there were two people that came to us for showers that live on the street that have colostomies. Mothers, older people, younger people, some with mental health issues, some with issues that they couldn't find a job, but everybody, everybody looking for someone to see them. Someone to see them and someone to see their suffering. You know, I don't know if you um, know this, but we have this U.S. women's soccer team that is really amazing. I don't know if you heard anything about that, um, but it's all I've been talking about for the past couple weeks. And, um, you know, they've won four championships more than any other soccer team, and they're pretty amazing. And um, they came to New York City last week, and there was a big ticker tape parade for them. And their co-captain, Megan Rapino made a speech kind of off the, off the top of her head. And it was really amazing. You know, there was a lot of fanfare and they were yelling and screaming and everybody was happy, but then she took the podium. And I want you to, um, to listen to what she had to say because it directly um, correlates with our text from today. She said, this is my charge to everyone. We have to be better. We have to love more. We have to hate less. We gotta listen more. We gotta talk less. We gotta know that this is everybody's responsibility. Every single person here, every single person who isn't here, every single person who doesn't wanna be here, every single person who agrees or doesn't agree, it's our responsibility to make this world a better place. You are more than a fan. You're more than someone who just supports sports. You're more than someone who tunes in every four years. You're someone who walks these streets every single day. You interact with your community every single day. How do you make your community better? How do you make the people around you better? We have to collaborate. It takes everyone. This is my charge to everybody. Do what you can. Do what you have to do. Step outside yourself. Be more, be better, be bigger, 
than you've ever been before. Gustavo Gutierrez that I was speaking about says, God does not require anything superhuman. In the final analysis, God only asks something very human, namely, to love. And that's really what this text is asking us, actually. The Good Samaritan, it's what our most famous soccer player is asking us, actually, to do something, to do more, to be bigger, be better, do what you have to do, step outside yourself. It takes all of us, it takes a community to make this world a better place. And right now, I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like this world needs to be a better place. I feel like all around us, we see people in the ditch. I feel like all around us, we hear rhetoric that makes us afraid of one another and not in love with one another. I feel that we need to do our best to heal our nation, and it is our responsibility. It is our responsibility to do better. It is not, it does not uh, pass me by that today our immigrant community is afraid. Today, when the parable that is preached from Christian pulpits all around the world, today the text is the Good Samaritan, is the day that our United States decides that uh, they will round up 2,000 of our immigrant brothers and sisters in ICE raids all across the country. Today is also a day where we have people in cages, and we have lost seven children, seven children of our immigrant and refugee brothers and sisters who have come to this land looking for a neighbor, looking for help, looking for assistance. And my friend Ruben Castilla Herrera, he was an activist with me who lost his life about five months ago here in Columbus. He always said to me, you know, Kate, names are important, and we know that names are important in the Bible, right? If you're named, you're important. And he always said, say people's names. And right now, I'm going to say the names of the seven young people that have been lost while they have been in custody of the United States, because they're important. And it's important that we know that they are our neighbors. They're not just a picture far away from us that we can't understand. Felipe Gomez Alonso was eight years old. Carlos Gregorio Vasquez, 16 years old. Jacqueline Calmaquin was seven. Marie Juarez, one. Vilma Jose Ramirez Vasquez, two and a half. Darlin Valle was 10. Juan de Leon Gutierrez was 16. The gospel to us is not fake news. The gospel to us is how we live out our life. Gustavo Gutierrez says again, faith is not limited to affirming the existence of God. No, faith tells us that God loves us and demands a loving response. This response is given through love for human beings 
And that is what we mean by a commitment to God and to our neighbor. Today, I want us to commit to do more. I want us to commit to be better. I want us to commit together to seek out the one in the ditch and to jump in and to think and remember, surely this isn't too hard for me. Surely this isn't too hard for me. Because the greatest commandment we have been given is to love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole self, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let us be the one our neighbors have been waiting for. Amen.